focusing on the last words of Jesus that he speaks with his disciples in the upper room. This will be the last conversation that he has with them when they're all together before his death. And the words that he speaks to them are very important, and we have been spending a a few weeks kind of working through the things that he says to them, and we're approaching this from the aspect of relationships, that in this text he explains how his followers are to live in relationship with various aspects of life. And we have seen already uh, in the few weeks we've been doing this what Jesus had to say about our relationship with God. And then last week we saw what he had to say about his desire in our relationship with each other, with one another. And so today we're going to be in John chapter 14, and we're going to think about and study what Jesus said our relationship should be with the Holy Spirit. Now at the outset, we need to understand that that it usually uh, Christians fall on one of two ends of the spectrum when it comes to the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Some are kind of more on the, the charismatic end of the pendulum, and that is to say that that's the non-Baptist end. Uh, we'll get to the Baptist end in just a second. Uh, but on this, the, the charismatic end of the pendulum, it's, you know, the, um, the, the, the louder the sermon, uh, the more spit that comes from the pulpit, Uh, the more emotional the service, then that is proof of the Holy Spirit. On the other end of the pendulum, you've got a group that is scared of the Holy Spirit, and that's us. On the other end of the pendulum, you've got a group who doesn't really relate to the Holy Spirit as we should, and it's almost like we're scared, or I say we, the people on that end of the pendulum on the other end are scared of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know people on the other end of the pendulum who could, uh, who could give you lectures and understanding and insight about the theology of the Holy Spirit, but the connection, the relationship is, uh, could be uh, a good bit deeper. And usually Christians fall on one of those two ends of the spectrum, and, and I think Jesus has for us a, a, a word that doesn't pull us to either end, but gets us right where he wants us to be. Uh, understanding this relationship, I don't believe, uh, especially for those of us who maybe our tradition kind of pulls us to the end of the, the spectrum where we, we, we are almost afraid of getting engaged Holy Spirit, um, we don't really understand how important this relationship is. And in fact, before we look at our main text from John 14, I want to show you a verse in John 16 where Jesus got the disciples there together, and Jesus made this statement. It's John 16, 7. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, disciples, it's to your advantage, followers of mine, that I go away. Okay, what could be so advantageous that the Holy Spirit would need to go away? For if I do, or that Jesus need to go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit, our relationship with the Holy Spirit, is so important that Jesus said, it is better that I physically leave this earth because if I don't, you can't have this relationship. 
Well, it's in this text, it's in this upper room discourse that Jesus first introduces his disciples to the Holy Spirit. Let's read our text, John chapter 14. I'm going to start reading in verse 16. I'm going to read through verse 26. John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus is speaking and he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, <laughs> how bad would it be for your name to be Judas in this context? Because Jesus has to give a description, not this Iscariot. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to me and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you." Now, that we could spend a whole lot of time, we could uh, spend many hours trying to unpack this and, and still uh, maybe not know as much as we should when we leave after doing that. But before we look at what the Holy Spirit does, according to Jesus in this text, we need to understand who the Holy Spirit is, as Jesus explained to him in this text. Look at how Jesus defined the Holy Spirit in verse 16. He said that the Holy Spirit is another helper. That word another is very important because what that word in the Greek, what another means is another of the same kind, not another of a different kind, but another of the same kind. So the Holy Spirit is another of the same kind, specifically God. This is a reference to the fact that the Holy Spirit Spirit is God, just as Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity along with the Father and the Son. Now, we understand the Trinity to mean that there is one God who has eternally existed in three persons. Not three gods, like a little God family. Not one God in three modes, like God keeps changing costumes or putting on his son hat, his father hat, and his spirit hat. Not just a, a force, certainly not just a feeling. The Holy Spirit is God and has existed from eternity past. The Holy Spirit is not a New Testament invention. Now, look at the words of Jesus himself, and again, my, my purpose here is just to give you a headache. That's my goal in this next minute or two, okay? 
Jesus himself, in that verse we first looked at in John 16, 7, he said, if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him. So in that verse, Jesus makes a very clear distinction between himself and the Holy Spirit. And yet in John chapter 14 and verse 18, when Jesus talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I, Jesus, will come to you. So it's not Jesus who comes to us, but it is. And then in John 14, 23, per Jesus, he says that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you also receive the Father and the Son. So here's the conclusion. The Father, Son, and Spirit are three distinct persons, so you can talk about them separately, but they are all the same God, so that in having one, you have the presence of all three. Ow. Now, when you start trying to, to wrap your mind around that, and even preaching it, it gives me a headache, or maybe it's who I'm looking at. But uh, in, in, in having, trying to understand that, I have to take heart in this reality. I don't believe in the Trinity because I understand it. I believe in the Trinity because God has revealed it. And sometimes we won't a some type of instruction and God gives us a revelation. God reveals himself to us. The God who sits on the highest throne is God the Father. The God we see in the Gospels with our eyes is God the Son. And the God we feel moving in our hearts and lives is God the Spirit. Don't get hung up trying to figure out what cannot be understood about the Holy Spirit. Instead, behold and experience God as he has revealed himself. So we need to, we've established, in fact, what more than anything else at this point, the Holy Spirit is God, another helper of the same kind. Now, with that as our foundation, what does the Holy Spirit do? And I want you, even, even in these few chapters, I had to edit and edit and edit to keep you from uh, leaving today before I get done. So I want to narrow it down to three activities that we see in this text. It's not exhaustive. There are many more. So when you go, well, preacher, you missed this one. I, okay, fine. Uh, we'll cover that next time. Before our time together this morning, three things that this text shows us the Holy Spirit does. Number one is this. The Holy Spirit makes the presence of God personal. Okay, the Holy Spirit makes the presence of God personal. I want you to look again in chapter 14 and verse 18, where Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit will come to you. Throughout the Bible, God, for some reason, has always desired to be present with his people. In the Garden of Eden, it was God who came down every evening to walk with Adam and Eve. In the Exodus, it was God who, who came down to his people and who led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. God was the one who directed his people to build a temple so that he could dwell among them. 
In fact, when God decided to come to earth, when the time was right, God sent his son. When Jesus was born, the angel says, you'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And now, catch this now, through the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit, God will be closer to us than ever before. It's not just that God is around us. It's not just that God is among us. It's not even just that God is with us, but because Holy Spirit, God is in us. This is why Paul in Colossians chapter 1 referred to Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, here's what we need to be convinced of and believe with all of our heart this morning. The Holy Spirit is as real and as present with us as Jesus was with his disciples. I'm going to repeat that because that's something that you ought to write down or memorize or burn in your heart. The Holy Spirit is with us and is as real in us as Jesus was with his disciples. Let that sink in. Living the abundant life that Jesus has called us to live in John 10, 10, living that kind of life, having that kind of experience isn't contingent upon knowing a bunch of facts or being able to regurgitate a bunch of information or finding the right feelings, but it is by the abiding presence of a personal God, and that is possible only because of the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of God who makes the presence of God come alive to us. We need to have the right relationship with him because he makes the presence of God personal. When you go through those seasons when God doesn't feel very close, that could be a good indication that there's something in your relationship with the Holy Spirit that needs to be fixed. We can grieve the Spirit, Scripture tells us. We can quench the Spirit. We we can live in such a way that we don't fully experience the God who is within us. And so when God does not feel near, granted it may be a season in which that just happens, but when God doesn't feel near, maybe that's a good time to pause and say, is my relationship with the Holy Spirit what Jesus said it should be? Because it's the Holy Spirit who makes the presence of God personal. Here's the second thing. It's the Holy Spirit who also makes the plan of God personal and possible. Okay, the Holy Spirit makes this plan that God has possible for our lives. I want you to look at a verse in John chapter 14 that is mind-blowing. It's verse 12. These are Jesus' words. I mean, this isn't the opinion of somebody. This is Jesus himself who said, truly, truly, I say to you. He didn't even say, I say to you. He said, truly, this is something you can mark this down. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Jesus said, those who believe in me will do greater works. Now, who among us has done greater works than Jesus? We're about to have a Q&A session, okay? Now, the Q&A session is I ask the question, and you provide the answer. The trick is the answer 
it's going to be no every time, okay? You can't flunk this one. Anyone here ever given sight to the blind? No. I think some who've seen me have wished that they were blind. Anyone here ever caused the deaf to hear? No. Now this one, this next one may be a little bit tricky because, well, let me just ask it. Anyone here other than those who've worked at a buffet multiplied food for a lot of people? <laughs> buffet, were, it's not supernatural, but it, it's kind of close. <laughs> no, I mean, we, who, who has given us a little bit of food and we've multiplied to feed an entire county? Anyone here ever raised the dead? I haven't. I mean, greater works than Jesus? How can Jesus say that our works will be greater than the works he did? Understand that Jesus is not speaking about the, their greatness in nature, but their greatness in range. Okay, he's not, told, he's not saying that our works are going to be greater in the nature of those works. He's saying that our works as his followers will be greater in the ground that they cover, in the distance, in the range that our works are able to do, that the plan of God for our lives, our ministry, our mission, that it's able to accomplish. You see, when Jesus was on earth, the Holy Spirit focused ministry on one individual. It was on Jesus. But now the Holy Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit makes the presence of God personal, now the Holy Spirit is in every believer, and Jesus is saying that the collective impact of ordinary Christians filled with the Holy Spirit will be greater if He Himself were to stay. You see, your ministry, the plan of God for your life, is figuring out what Jesus wants to do through you and relying on the Holy Spirit within you to empower you and to equip you to do it. Serving Jesus isn't about doing a bunch of stuff for God. Serving Jesus is about yielding yourself to the presence of the Holy Spirit within you and allowing His power to flow through you so God's kingdom work can be accomplished by you. That's the plan of God. And the plan of God in your life, through your life, cannot be accomplished without a right relationship with the Holy Spirit. Do you feel like that you're not doing anything for the Lord? Do you feel like you can't be faithful and consistent in serving Him? That may be something that you should go back and check and say, okay, is my relationship with the Holy Spirit what it should be? Because the Holy Spirit, He not only makes the presence of God personal, the Holy Spirit makes the plan of God possible. The number three, the Holy Spirit makes the promises of God powerful. He makes those promises of God powerful. I want you to go back with me to chapter 14 and verse 16. One of the very important verses in this chapter, not that they're not important, but this one is key. It, it, it hinges, the rest of the chapter hinges on this. John 14, verse 16. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper 
to be with you forever. Now, that word helper, and usually I don't like to get seminary nerdy when I preach and do backgrounds of words, but this one's important, so we're going to do this one real quick. That word helper in the Greek is a word that's pronounced paraclete. And it literally means that there's really no, no English word that, that we can, that we have that, that fully captures. That's why some, every translation has a different word for it because there's not an English word that really captures it. Some translations say helper. Uh, you may be reading a translation that, that says comforter or counselor. It, the Greek word literally means a paraclete. is someone who stands beside you or speaks for you. That's what the word is. Para, which means to come alongside. Kaleo, or Kaleo, depending on which side of the Jordan River you come up on, uh, means to speak. And so, with Kaleo, the, the, the paraclete, the helper, someone who speaks alongside of. And notice the Holy Spirit is another, there's that word, another helper. The same kind of helper as God. Now, think about this. The Holy Spirit, then, what Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit is to us today what Jesus was to his disciples when he was literally walking with them and among them. Jesus walked along his disciples, calling out to them. He was their paraclete. He stood alongside them. He called out to them the promises of God. This is what the Holy Spirit does in his relationship with believers today. And friends, it brings a smile to face every time I think about it because this has huge implications. You see, when we understand that the Holy Spirit, that he makes the promises of God powerful, we're meaning that he is the one who appropriates God's Word to our lives. So th think about it in this way. It, it, it involves really a couple of things. It involves <clears throat> what the Holy Spirit says to us about God, and it involves what the Holy Spirit says to God about us. Hang with me. In, in, in His role as our <clears throat> helper, the Holy Spirit reminds us of God. You see, when your flesh reminds you of your past, when you start to feel like you're condemned before God, when, when you have those moments when you wonder, can God really love me? Did can God, I, I know I've asked him to be my redeemer, but, but does God, has he really redeemed me? Can, can God really love me? Don't I stand condemned? It is then that the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart the promise of God, of Romans 8, 1, there's there, therefore, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You see what I'm saying? You had that moment? Have you ever felt, let me ask you this, and don't answer out loud, but to yourself, <clears throat> have you ever gone through a season of your life and you thought, man, I don't think God is here. Man, I, I don't know that, I mean, I, I, I know what I should know. I know the Sunday school answer, but I, it just doesn't feel like God's with me. And in that moment, your heart's reminded of a promise of God from Hebrews chapter 13. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Has something like that ever happened to you? If it has, you know what that is? That's the helper. That's the Holy Spirit. 
That's the Holy Spirit making the promises of God powerful and applicable and reminding you that you may feel like something is one way, but the promise of God speaks louder to what your context says. But it's not just that the Holy Spirit tells us what God has said. The Holy Spirit talks to God about us. See, he is another helper. Jesus was the first advocate. 1 John chapter 2. For time's sake, we're not going to go there since y'all have talked about this morning. 1 John chapter 2 talks about how Jesus is our advocate who stands before the Father and makes our case before him, before the Father. Jesus pleads my case before the Father, but it's not leniency that Jesus is asking for. I've already got the leniency. When Jesus, as an advocate, stands before God the Father, he's not asking for leniency, he's asking for justice. You see, when Jesus, as my advocate, he says before the Father, Father, I have paid all of Jonathan Russell's sin. It would be unjust then, <coughs> Father, to be angry at him or to condemn him because I've already absorbed the full punishment for his sin and I've already given him my righteousness. Therefore, Father, Jonathan Russell stands to receive the blessing and the reward that was going to come to me as your son. He deserves that blessing today. As another helper, the Holy Spirit advocates for us as well. So right now, so blow your mind, right now in heaven, God the Father's sits enthroned, enthroned or surrounded by angels being worshipped. The Son is interceding for our behalf, pleading our case for justice. So is the Spirit pleading. We've got two people of the Trinity pleading the third for our case. Amen. That's why when Romans 8, 26 says, when we don't know what we ought to pray, that the Spirit makes utterings for God, to God, for us, that are too difficult to comprehend. See, I can't manufacture my righteousness. I can't manufacture my standing before God, but I don't have to because the Son and the Spirit are both pleading my case. They are my advocates. You talk about one call, that's all. They are my advocates before the Father. It is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, who makes the promises of God powerful. And the best news of all of that is the Holy Spirit's doing that even when I don't feel like He is. Even when you feel that God is far away, the Holy Spirit is for you. He's interceding for you. My goal for you this morning, very simply, is to cause you to come to an understanding that the Holy Spirit is a person who desires a relationship with you. You see, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, when you ask to receive His grace, when He becomes your Savior and your Lord, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life, and that means that from that day forward, you are always walking with a person. 
You see, we realize, all of us this morning, we realize that we can never be clean enough for the Holy Spirit. Thankfully, it's not my goodness that makes me acceptable for God. It's the blood of Christ that makes it possible to have this relationship. And that's my question to you this morning. Do you know the Holy Spirit as a person? Has there been a time in your life when you confessed your sin to him, repented, and simply trusted the work of Jesus for you on the cross? If there's never been a time in your life when you've done it, whether you're sitting in this room or whether you're watching us online, if there's never been a time in your life when you've done that, the good news today is that's just a prayer away. There are no magic words to say. There's no exact prayer that you need to repeat other than to confess your sin to God, to repent in your heart of that sin, and ask Jesus to save you. If that's a decision that you need to make today, we encourage you in this space to make that decision, to let us know if that's a decision you have made, to let us know that's the decision that you've made. And for those of us who've made that decision already, let's start living like the Holy Spirit's within us. Let's start realizing that when Jesus says, greater is he who's in you, he's in the world, that's the Holy Spirit he's talking about. And that because the Holy Spirit is with us, because the Holy Spirit empowers us, there's nothing in this world greater than him. Let's rest in his power today. Let's rest in his grace today. And let's live for his glory today. To our guests, we were certainly thankful to have you here with us today. And we want you to come back anytime that you can. If there is a next step that you need to make here today, there's a yellow card in the pew in front of you that's your next step card. If you need to take one of those steps today, you let us know and we'll be glad to help you take that step as best we can. If you're online, visit our website and you can let us know there at fbcmilton.org. You can let us know your next step there and we'll be glad to help you as you seek to be who God's called you to be. As a reminder...